This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. In 2008, a podcast was created with one goal. To bring Bat fans around the world news related to movies, comics, video games, television, merchandise, and so much more. And now, the Batman Universe Podcast has returned. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the TVU Podcast. We have another special TBU interview this time around. Scott is talking with um, a group of people this time instead of a single person, specifically um, Lenny Swartz, uh, who is a playwright and director um, of an upcoming play, the which is called Bill Finger, Rise of the Bat. Uh, so you'll be hearing a lot more about that. Uh, Rick Stafford, who is known as the true Aquaman. Um, so they'll be talking about cosplay, Aquaman. And then uh, they're also talking with Athena Finger, who is the granddaughter of Bill Finger, the co-creator of Batman um, and the heiress of the Dark Knight. So there's this is a really packed, uh, really it's a really packed interview. Um, there's a bunch of different things uh, that are, they're going to discuss, uh, specifically Bill Finger's legacy, the upcoming play, cosplay, comics mental health, and of course, favorite Batman of all of the uh, interviewer, interviewees. So sit back and join us as we listen to the latest TBU interview on the Batman Universe podcast. Take it away, Scott. Hi, this is Scott with the Batman Universe podcast, and today we have quite the episode. Joining me is playwright and director Lenny Schwartz, heiress to the Dark Knight and granddaughter of Bill Finger, the creator of Batman, Athena Finger, and international cosplay icon, fitness coach, and the true Aquaman, Rick Stafford. Today we're talking about a new play that's debuting in Rhode Island at the Rise Playhouse on September 22nd and opening at the Chain Theater in New York on October 3rd. It's called Bill Finger, Rise of the Bat, and it explores the life of Batman creator Bill Finger. You can find details and links below. First question, let's start at the inception of this play. How did it start and how did it come together? Oh, uh, so well, for me, I, I mean, I guess I can start. It's kind of a long story. Um, I said this in another interview recently. Um, I had heard the name Bill Finger in the 90s. Oh, actually, 89 is when I first heard the name Bill Finger. I was working at the comic book store, and, um, you know, there was this kind of this talk about, you know, how Bob King, because the book, uh, the autobiography, I got what's the word I'm looking for now. His autobiography. <laughs> it's been a long day. So, <laughs> as you can tell, I mean, it's my 14 hour, it's the hour I've been teaching. So, um, so yeah, his uh, autobiography was out, Batman and Me. And the people at the comic store was, were talking about it and saying, and, you know, I never heard anything, you know, and every Batman comic is always, you know, Batman written by, you know, um, created by Bob Kane. And they told me the story of Bill Finger and I, it stuck with me. 
And so it just, you know, over the years I became a writer and I was writing plays and I, I always wrote goofy comedies. I never thought that I'd be writing uh, anything with, with Batman related or anything. I thought if anything to keep me away from Batman would be the, you know, the thing, um, you know, and then, um, then I was write comedies. And um, back in 2011, I'd, I'd written a play about Buster Keaton and it was, um, it was a wonderful biography play that we had wonderful actors on. And um, then I just, you know, it was one of those things. I I started writing these biographical plays. I wrote, I'd written one about Charles Schultz and uh, did some other ones. And literally, uh, one day I was at San Diego Comic Con. True story. I was supposed to go somewhere. I was supposed to have a meeting, and I got turned around. And my wife says, "Well, go this way." And I literally bumped into Athena, not like bumped into her. I literally bumped into her. And that's a true story. <laughs> and uh, and I was talking and like something hit in my head. I said, this, it was when with, with me, things, ideas kind of pop up out of nowhere. And I said, hey, have you ever thought about a play about, you know, your, you know, about Bill Finger, your grandfather? And uh, she said, you know, she was very gracious, very sweet. And I have a the picture. She said, yeah, sure. And, um, you know, it was very, you know, a lot of times, you know, you kind of like these ideas pop in and I just kind of pop, popped in the back of my head. And eight years later, here we are. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, your other, this is, it's been a really weird and interesting journey, but um, yeah, yeah, that's, I think that's from my perspective of things. That's worth it. And I, and uh, yeah, sorry, I rambled for a second, but that's the full story of how it began for me, at least. Hi, Athena. <laughs> I sparked some creativity for you. It's great. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the funny thing is, um, the funny thing is, it is, it's been an interesting journey um, because, um, you know, and it's been so many, it's been so cool because when you write these things, um, you know, I consider Athena a lifelong friend and I love Athena. You know, I love Rick. I think they're both great people uh-huh. uh, and they're wonderful people. So it's kind of like, it's kind of this really, really interesting thing that happens when with this one because a lot of times when I was writing these plays beforehand, I'd be coming in later. So most of Buster Keaton's family has dissipated. I ran a play about the Marx Brothers, and um, you know the family is kind of like it's just kind of like in the wind. You know, they don't, you know, there's no one really alive who was really like with Groucho, Groucho during those time periods. With Athena, it's kind of like you know here's here's a great resource and somebody who you know. You can you can you can talk to and reach out to and then, you know, it just turns out she's very cool as well. So, um, so that's really it's been really nice actually. Um, and it was the first one, uh, first time we did a bi- uh, biography of someone who was who was alive, um, and someone from the family, you know, had some direct involvement with the play, which was great. And um, I will say that we I've done other versions of it, and the reasons why I kind of. I really been kind of holding off and doing like a kind of like rewriting and rewriting is because this is the first play of mine that I actually have to say that I, I felt like when we did it, it wasn't where it should be, where I was comfortable with, with what it was. And I put the original up in 2015. I had this idea that I'd be doing it again in a year and rewriting it. It's the first play that I basically gutted and just kept rewriting. I, I think somewhere I put somewhere, I think it was like, the final count for versions of play was 2,342 um, versions of the play and wow. of, of some sort of script. Yeah, I, I usually I don't, I don't get that much. Usually it's like six, you know, <laughs> but it's so, I have probably about five working versions of the script that could play in a, in, a, in a play script form that could really work. And I have, I have one where they don't even create Batman to the last page. 
And uh, I, mean, I have so many different versions of it that, and so many with some ways. It's just, 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 I would there's definitely like thousands of different pages, you know. Um, so rather than you know put myself in a straitjacket, I'm going to direct a play. Which I'm happy with this one. <laughs> so. it, it, it's it's kind of funny the way you describe you know all the different versions of of the play and everything. It reminds me when you said like you know yeah all these these crazy amounts of drafts. It made me think of like uh, Shakespeare where they always talk about how his play like there were all these different copies floating around and traveling around that were all workable in you know some form or another. <laughs> But. Yeah, the, the the hard thing with with doing some doing something like this is um, with with doing something like Buster Keaton or doing something like um, doing something like the Marx Brothers. Do, I even did a play about Lucille Ball, but you can see them in interviews. You can see them on screen. You can see them do you know we can do see them do something. You know, just actually act out, get some intonations on their voices, get some ideas of who they were, and there's footage out there. Even Charles Schultz, you can see, like when I did the, 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 that play, you can see, you know, how he spoke and how he, you know, you kind of, you know, gets things, you can kind of derive things from that. With um, with Bill Finger, there's, he's a writer and writers, you know, do not, do not on screen and not doing anything else. The only thing I had to go off of was, um, and which was basically in the last four years, was the original um, New York Comic Con that he was at. And that's the only thing I had to go off of for his voice to kind of get, try to get into his head and kind of get in things. So a lot of it was just guesswork. And a lot of it, uh, when you're writing, especially for someone who doesn't have those things down, is a guesswork that sometimes doesn't work. So, you know, I think Athena's probably sat through about five or six or seven different script readings and I, maybe, maybe more and maybe about a hundred different versions of it. She's probably like, she probably has so much paper if she ever printed it out. She'd be killing it in the entire state of Florida. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, it, it's so for me, it, so for me, it was kind of like trying to get that right. Um, and I think the, the big thing for me when I finally hit it was, and I think when it finally happened, I said this before, uh, was during the pan- was right before the pandemic on March, I think it was seventh or eighth. I had finished the, the draft of the script and I finally figured it out. I'm like, oh my god, I figured out what it is. We can finally put the show up. And then the pandemic happens, and I'm like, oh my god, this is gonna- no, it'll be done in a few months. And then two years later, you know, um, I actually had a theater picked out um, that was ready to go in October of 2020, and then they're like, then the theater closed down. So, because of all these things, and so trying to get all the trying to get all these elements together, it was. But I will say, when when I finally see the rehearsals and the cast that I had that I have now, um, I wish I had them from the beginning. Because I think if they saw the initial script, they all would have said, "We're not doing this." <laughs> so, because because this, if, they, if they had the script back in 2015, I, these are very smart actors. I can't put one past them, um, directing wise. They're very very smart people. And I, and you know, when I look at the original script, the, uh, when we did the first play and I, please stop me if I'm babbling, when we did the original version of the play, it wasn't the actors that were having the problem, but the issue was, is that I'm watching it. I look back at reading it. And so we're watching it and Bob Kane's, I mean, Bob Kane's consistently evil in that script. And, um, the thing I always tell myself is that, you know, when I watch him, like, well, why would Bill Finger ever work for somebody like this? He'd just go back to selling shoes. And why would, why would anyone do that? And so making those discoveries of who these people actually are, even, even Bob Kane to make him to make him into a fully rounded character was to me very important. So I'll shut up and I can ask some more questions, Scott. No, thank you. No worries. That makes, that makes total Sorry, sense. Guys. I'm very passionate. Like yeah. 
no, I'm on the edge of my seat here. So no worries. Like it's, it's yeah. fascinating to hear, um, yeah. you know, Athena, you know, you're credited with the story. Did you have, you know, how much guidance have, did you provide with the play or, you know, details or notes or. Um, well, I did see the play that was put on back in 2015. Um, I mean, I liked what, he started with um obviously it needed work he both as he said he didn't feel like the script was really um up to par up to his standards um up to the family standards there were some things that really kind of were off um but i mean again there's just so little especially back in 2015 and and before that so little information about Bill out there that was available to people. Um, even myself, I mean, I never met my grandfather, so I didn't get to know what his personality was. So I had to learn from other people. And so I had to share what I learned with Lenny to kind of give him some of those little nuances that we didn't really know. <laughs> yeah. You don't have the interviews. You don't have them interacting with people. You don't have um, people like myself who actually knew him. Unfortunately, my father passed away, you know, when I was 16. So he's not around to ask questions about. So it was very um, complex trying to figure out how to really portray the story in an accurate way but still make it entertaining because we don't want it to be a snooze fest <laughs> right right so it was tricky and i think that with every rewrite that we worked on we got a little more of what we were trying to achieve with <laughs> the portrayal of all the characters because like lenny was saying you know bob king wasn't always a villain he kind of grew into that character by his own doing, but that's not where he started. I mean, he really did start trying to present, uh, present a, an opportunity to these people, artists and writers, a chance to do their craft. Um, and, you know, there weren't that many opportunities out there. So I think that part of Bob's character was kind of missing. Um, there were some dynamics between my father and Bill that were just a little off. Um, but I mean, there's, again, such little information. You kind of have to just go with your gut. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, again, every time we went through it and, and tweaked it, it just became better and better. So I'm excited yeah. to see it on the stage. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I was going to say, without Athena, the ending of this play, which is my favorite scene I ever have written in my life, wouldn't exist. And I mean that from my heart. It is my favorite scene of anything I've ever written. I'm, and the favorite thing I've ever directed, actually. And it's 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 what it always should have been. And I I will say, without that, and without her sister Alethea, um, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Alethea had a lot to do with it too. I mean, she yeah. sat down with. Lenny and the cast several times to hash mm. this stuff out. Um, I was in another part of the country. <laughs> I <live> in Florida <laughs> and they're up in Providence. So um, yeah. I did when I could. I would come up and participate when I could and things like that. So my sister really did put 
her heart and soul into this project. She really did. <laughs> um, the biggest, the biggest contribution that Alethea gave me was she said to me one day, she goes, she is uh, so, so her sisters, uh, you know, should be a story editor. She's that's what she should be doing. Honestly, she, I've, I've worked with screen with like people like that. She should be a, in the in Hollywood or just in like doing theater and being a story editor. She had said something to me and I thought it was one of the most amazing notes I've ever gotten to. She said, you know, what's amazing is that this comic was invented when, you know, during, during the world war two era, you know, like 1930s, she says, when Batman was created, you should think about, you know, you know, being Jewish, being, um, you know, being Jewish, being, uh, you know, that mindset, how this, how this influenced the comics that came out of that, like Superman and um, Superman, uh, Batman, especially too, and how that relates. And it opened up in a whole new boom like that. It was, it was brilliant. Like she's absolutely brilliant. Um, So that really put the script as far as like subtext, Um, some, a lot of subtext, a lot of the uh, atmosphere that wasn't there initially. Yeah, very much so. No, and that's great to hear. It's, it's it's beautiful too. Like the passion that like you know everyone has for the project. It's it's like just listening to it. Like I could feel that energy. It's awesome. And you know, and and like keeping those things in mind. I feel like you know a lot of times with comics and when we talk about like the origins or the creation of it. It's something we don't you know a lot of people aren't cognizantly thinking about. And you know you know even mentioning when you guys were talking about how little information there was available about Bill Finger. You know, I think. Honestly, prior to that documentary on Hulu, you know, Batman and Bill, you know, anything I heard was relegated to Comic Cons and it was kind of like hushed whisper or murmurs. It was almost like a secret handshake that some people would, you know, mention here or there, but it wasn't very, you know, prevalent at all, you know. And obviously, for anyone listening who hasn't seen that documentary, they should watch it and check it out. It's very good. Um, and you'll learn a lot, <laughs> but, um, you know, and obviously the, the long, you know, history of, you know, people fighting to, you know, your family, you know, fighting to put, um, you know, Bill Finger's name alongside, you know, Bob Kane's as, as a creator of Batman. And so it's, it's just, it is really great to hear, you know, the, the passion and putting all that stuff back in there because, you know, I feel like the more we learn about a lot of these origins, you know, you guys are, you're right. You know, there's, there's a lot of like subtext there and, and, you know, things going on at the time and, you know, culture that kind of gets interwoven into this, that kind of gets lost into like the pop culture, you know, aspect of it. Mm, Very much so. I also was very, it's very, um, some, something that I, I, I'm glad that Rick is here because I know it's something that he does who very much talks about. Um, it's it's um, kind of along the same lines and the same wheelhouse that he does. Um, is He does something I think that's very important. If you don't mind me saying this, Rick, that you do, um, you, you talk about mental health and cosplay a lot. And I think that, I, and I think that's very important. That's something I, that, and believe it or not, I, I, and, you know, just, you know, Athena, when I, when I met Athena initially, I, I didn't never knew Rick ever existed, um, you know, Neither and yeah, we, we did it. It's amazing. Welcome, Rick. And, we, and, I, and, and so, you know, we didn't know. I mean, like, you no. Know, and the thing that I saw, and this is not to say I had an influence on the script, but I think it's very important what he does. I think that mental health and what happens in, you know, comics and cosplay is so important. And so it's just what he does. 
I and I thought about that very much heavily when I was writing this, this version, these versions of the script. You know, and I'm not saying you know that this is you know, um, you know that that's you know that's um, what was going on during Bob, you know, Bob Kane, but you know, with Bob Kane and Bill Finger. But you've got to get to think about what Bill's mental health would have been like, or what the mental health of someone living in that time period would be like. And you know, how does somebody how does somebody get by? You know, even if they're like you know, you start seeing Batman um, becoming this kind of iconic thing, and you know, you know. Um, it's it's something that's really interesting if you think about it. That Bill Finger, someone said to me, I think it was Travis Langley. He says that Denny O'Neill told him that you know Bill Finger. I'm paraphrasing completely. Um, said you know he didn't just create Batman, but he helped create the language of comic books. And imagine seeing that going on, you know, in front of you. And that, I mean, that's that to me. That's you know, that's it's an, it's something to really to acknowledge. And to think about, you know, that, that, you know, he, this is a guy who basically did that. He, inv- he invented that. He did, you know, all these creations, not just Batman, but other creations. And I, I'm sure Athena could probably go through, like, list through, you know, a hundred creations just on one thing. But that's, but, you know, talking about that and talking about, you know, someone who couldn't even get health benefits, that's, that's, we, the mental health of where we are now, what we know about mental health is so different than what it is back then. Um, so I wanted to kind of, you know, explore that, not to say, you know, we're going to, you know, um, you know, no, no, not to say we're going to really, you know, go into an examination of that, but it is some, it is something to bring out. Um, you know, what does it feel like to, you know, one day realize, you know, you know, no one's talking about that. You're the creator of, you know, that you're the, um, you know, that you created Batman. You're one of the people who created Batman. You think about that and like, you know, how did, how does it affect somebody? And that was what I think what really opened that to me. And how do you do that honestly? How do you do that in a way that's honest, that doesn't feel like you're pushing it? And there was a lot of dialogue and, exp- and, exp- and in like just experimentation. It's kind of like saying, okay, what does that look like without making it pandering? So for me, that was very important to it to kind of research and kind of look into. Um, and um, luckily, I have a very, 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 very strong actor playing Bill. Um, he just, you know, Athena sent the picture over. He cut his hair to look like the picture uh, Athena sent over. He's real. He does. He looks. I mean, he walks on stage, and it's amazing. Like you know that he he just studied the he studied every picture that's out there. <laughs> and I'm like, my There's God, so dude, few, cut. unfortunately. Yeah, I know it's so few. He took, but he took it to heart, and he's like, he and he actually like went on an, an exploration of like, you know, if I you know if I wore my hair like this and this, I'm like, oh my God, oh, you know, and did things like that. It's really an important thing. But I, but to bring it back to where it is, that's why I'm really glad Rick's on the call too, because I do think that is some in theater and film, and um, and 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 even in very much in comic books and cosplay, I think that's something that is very important to talk about. Again, I'm not going to be standing on a platform with it and saying like this is the play we're going to, but it is. If you don't put that in your play and, and realize that as a writer nowadays, I don't think you're doing your job, and that's how I feel. <laughs> um, it's just to me, it's very, but it's very interesting. Um, we so there is some there is some expo- exploration of what that looked like back in the sixties. So that was you know back in the fifties, forties, and, and think about what, where we were as a society. Um, yeah, I hope that makes sense. So yeah, <laughs> so thank you, Rick. <laughs> and just to kind of reiterate why he says that is, well, I'm a licensed occupational therapy practitioner, so I work with both pediatric and thank geriatric you. patients. So so I have a, a medical background. Um, where I deal with people's mental, physical independence. Okay. Wow. 
Yeah, that's that's a whole other side there. And how long have you been doing that? About four years. Okay. Um, hold on one second. <laughs> Threw me off there. I hop when you were talking. When I hopped through my notes, I have a couple pages here, and I was hopping around. You know, in terms of you know what Lenny's talking about. You know, in terms of working with um, the mental health aspects. You know, what are some things you know you do or, or see regularly that you you know that are that you encounter that you you know help with or work people through with. Well, one of the things I do a lot of times at conventions is I'm a motivational speaker. So I'll actually get up and I'll tell the story. Uh, the mo- I, I do a very personal story, uh, a traumatic story in my own life. Uh, I lost my son at age eight to uh, leukemia. And uh, he's actually the reason I got into the cosplay world in the first place. And I won't go into the whole story, but it, it was Star Wars based, you know, and, and it, it just kind of meandered into one aspect of being a hero. and. Um, I've been called the hero with a thousand faces, uh, like uh, Campbell. And so I've, I've been through the hero's journey and I've gone the whole, the whole hero arc that way. And so I like to get up and tell and talk to cosplayers and talk to people at conventions about how trauma doesn't have to define you. Trauma can cause you to do things greater than yourself. It can make you a better person. And so when people think, you know, oh, you know, I, I was picked on or I'm this or that, you know, this happened, like, well, you know, that's, that's sad, but why did that stop you? And so I work very hard towards bringing people out of their shell and saying, look, you know, you can be a 400 pound fan of Batman and want to dress up like Batman. That's not going to stop you. Do it, you know, go out there and be the best Batman you can be. Um, you know, if you want, to, if you have a fandom, use that. Use it as your therapy. Um, cosplay is kind of my therapy. I use it to, you know, I get to be somebody that makes people smile. You know, I can't bring joy to my son anymore, so I bring it to other people and their kids. That's a great, you know, like a mission statement almost there. <laughs> and so that's, you know, but I, but you know, what you're getting at, like, I feel like you know, so many people in the community, you know, echo that and feel that and, you know, probably, you know, greatly appreciate that. Um, You know, I feel like, you know, some of the people I've talked to lately too, that's also, you know, very true. And um, if, if I may say so too, there was a documentary where you spoke a little bit more to that. It was called Heart of an Empire, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. That was, uh, that was how I basically got involved with the Star Wars universe and so, and uh, and that that like I said that that's a whole other rabbit hole as far as you know getting involved with Lucasfilm, LucasArts, and and all the different cool experiences I got to have along with the Star Wars world. When it comes to Aquaman, you know I know for or now you know you go by the the true Aquaman, and you have some yeah. really cool costumes. Like I was, I, I saw your armored one at the San Diego Comic Con. I thought it was really. <laughs> that thing was phenomenal. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. Do you, you know, I, first off, I hear you swim every day. I do. In fact, I was, up, I was swimming about five o'clock this morning in a lake here in Florida. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's dedication. Um, <clears throat> you know, where did your, you know, your love of Aquaman come from? Like, how did it start? 
Ooh, okay. Um, full disclosure, Aquaman was not something I wanted to be. Um, it was something that came to me in a very unexpected way. You know, I, I as I said, I started in the Star Wars universe. Uh, I was hanging out with a bunch of people who broke away from that organization to do their own thing. And then they got into doing comic book characters and they started with Marvel. And so this whole group, we did Marvel characters. And so I was a Iron Man triathlete at the time. And so I, an Iron Man had just come out. And so I found a suit. It's 85 pound full resin armored suit. And so I was an Iron Man who wore Iron Man. And uh, the helmet doesn't have all the cool electronics in it and all that. So it was just a solid suit of armor. And, and I loved it. I mean, it, it, everybody, everyone just thought it was the greatest thing. So then after a while, the, char- the people in the group decided, hey, you know, let's go to DC character. And they're like, oh, I'm Batman. I'll be Wonder Woman. I'll be Green Lantern. I'll be Flash. You should be Aquaman. And I'm like, I, I don't want to be Aquaman. Nobody likes Aquaman. Everyone thinks everyone, you know, every, he's, a, he's kind of a joke. Everyone thinks he's a joke because at the time, and again, this is uh, this is in the early 2000s. Um, you know, it was the Justice League version or the Super Friends. I'm sorry, the Super Friends version that everyone was relating to, and it took them a good six or seven months to finally convince me to put on the orange and green. And so I had a friend of mine who worked at SeaWorld. She was a costume maker for the uh, performers. So she made me a, a water usable, full water usable costume. And I started walking around and I, and I got exactly what I thought. Hey, fish sticks. Hey, look, it's Mermaid Man from SpongeBob. I was like, no, I'm Aquaman. Or, you know, it'd be like, hey, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, get in there for a photo. And uh, uh, yeah, Aquaman, if you want to get in there too. And it's like, that's not cool. You know, I put on that Iron Man. I put on that Iron Man suit. Everyone just, you know, I get a Q line set up. You know, now as Aquaman, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a beast string. You know, I'm, I'm a bench warmer to the, uh, to the Holy Trinity of Batman, Wonder Woman, uh, Superman. So, lo and behold, I, you know, I, I continued to be as professional as I could, and I was leaving a convention here in Orlando called MegaCon. And I was helping a friend out who had epilepsy, taking her back to her room uh, because her husband was working a, a charity booth for uh, comic book artists that needed health care. So we were raising money for people like, you know, that would have been like, you know, Bill Finger and, uh, you know, George Perez was there and a bunch of other uh, people were there. So as I'm leaving, I get stopped by this old lady who says, hey, my husband would like a photo with you. Sure. No problem. So I tell my friend to just kind of wait for a moment. I walk over to this frail old man and I'm doing my hero poses and she's got one of these Kodak disposable cameras. So click, click, click. And uh, I don't know if the photo ever turned out, but as I left to go away from the old man, he grabbed me and he goes, you're just as I imagined you would look. I said, well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. I go to walk away again. He grabs me a second time. He goes, no, 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 no. You're the living embodiment of my imagination. And I appreciate what I see. Again, thank you so much. I go to walk away a third time. He grabs me. Now he's an old man. I could take him if I had to. Um, cause you get, cause you get some, you get some interesting fans sometimes. And he goes, son, you don't know who I am, do you? I said, no, sir, I don't. And he goes, I'm Nick Carty. I'm the inventor of the silver age 
Aquaman and you truly are the Aquaman I imagined. And that's how I got the name. The true Aquaman was from Nick, Nick Cardi. And, um, and so, you know, once you get the blessing of, you know, the guy who created the silver age version of Aquaman, I mean, that's just pretty much the stamp of approval. So from that point forward, I said, all right, if it's a creator or one of the creating team guys thinks I'm Aquaman, then sure enough, I'll be Aquaman. And it just, it, and it just kind of spiraled from there. So that's my true Aquaman origin story. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. That's an incredible origin story. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone can top that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, the, and the reason he was there was he was getting ready to do a panel about the Silver Age of the comic book world with George Perez. Um, Stan Lee was there at, at MegaCon. And so it's him, Stan Lee, uh, George Perez, um, several other co- major comic book artists were getting ready. And he was on his way to that panel when he saw me and stopped me and told me that. And, uh, and I actually have in my collection a signed not by him at that time, but I do have a sign, one of his uh, covers. And I also have a statue that was in his estate. And um, so, and it's signed to his, uh, I think it's his niece. It's signed to on the bottom. So I actually have a signature on one of these sculptures based on the character that I portray. Wow. That's pretty awesome. Um, do you have any, you know, favorite Aquaman stories or incarnations? Oh, as far as, um, which well, I, I currently have 13 variations of the Aquaman and some are unique. Some are um, one of my favorite stories is the new 52 Aquaman. Yeah. And, uh, and I know I'm going to massacre his name. Cause I always do. Uh, his name is Paul Petlager, Petlager, Petlager. He's got a very difficult last name. He's the yeah. artist for the new 52. Yeah. And um, so when the new 52 came out, people were like, man, you look just like the new 52 Aquaman, you know, and I said, well, you know, I'm, I play Aquaman. He draws Aquaman. Of course I'm going to look like him. I mean, that's who I portray. And um, no, no, no. Some of the poses that you do at conventions look very similar to the images that are in the um, comics. Well, I do Aquaman poses, of course, you know, so I, I, I completely blew it off. Well, the artist was in a small convention here in Florida, uh, down in the Melbourne area. And I decided, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to make the trek down there about, you know, hour and a half away. So I show up, I'm in my new 52 Aquaman and I see him, he's sitting there and he's sketching away and I stand in front of his table, you know, got my trident and he slow, he realizes somebody's in front of him and he looks up and the look of recognition just clicked and he's like, You're the dude. You're the dude I've been using as a reference. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh so yeah, so he um he gave me this huge centerpiece of one of his comic book artworks and I have that framed on the wall. You know, he signed he signed a trident that I had at the time. He signed a water bottle, an Aquaman water bottle. He said, you know, he and then uh, we were at uh, what was it, Heroes Con, Athena, up in um, Carolina. No, it wasn't Hero. Um, I think it was at um, Galaxy Con. Galaxy Hell. Con. Yeah. So he was there again. <laughs> and this time I was in my armor. And I gave him a cover. And I said, hey, you want to do a cover for me? 
And so he took some photos of me in my armor and uh, drew it, drew me up in the armor. And when I went to pick it up, he goes, don't ever ask me to do that again. That, that armor had too much detail. That was, that was a killer project. <laughs> so, so I got a bunch of his stuff in my house um, because apparently I was the reference for that. And then apparently I became the reference for the um, Injustice 1 and Injustice 2 video game as well. Unbeknownst to me. Huh. Yeah. Um, and then I wound up being on an international merchandise list from China. Uh, I wound up being on merchandise. Uh, they made shower curtains about me and blankets with my image on it. And we're selling those internationally. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I want a Rick Stafford shower curtain. That'd be great. <laughs> do, you, do you have them at home? <laughs> I do. I, 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 I literally. I, at conventions as his backdrop? As a backdrop. And then oh, he, yeah. he used to have the blanket on his bed, but I made him take it off. It was a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> like one of me is enough. She doesn't need to yes, have three different. Four. I don't need four. And then how did you two meet? Oh, you want the story or? This teeny tiny little convention outside of Orlando. I mean, think of like the smallest ballroom you can rent at the smallest hotel you could possibly get in the suburbs of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. You had to, you had to leave the vendor hall. Yeah. You had to leave the vendor hall to change, to, to change your mind. <laughs> no, it was a friend of ours, a mutual friend. It was a very small convention. Um, and there weren't a lot of people there. And so we just started chit chatting. I had never met him before. And um, I didn't recognize what he was dressed as because he was not dressed as Aquaman. Now, because yeah, it was such a small con, is, yeah, uh, the, the Pip Boy from, the Vol- uh, yeah, the Fallout mascot, um, yeah, the oh, Pip Boy. So, so. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I could totally see that. Like, yeah, you, yeah. you have that look <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I had the vault. Yeah, I had the vault suit on, real tight vault suit, and uh, so, um, and I actually wasn't promoting the Bill Finger story at the time. I'm also an artist, so I was trying to peddle my art. <laughs> And so, um, you know, many months later, you know, he put out a call on Facebook for a birthday party for his birthday. And so I, uh, I asked if I could come up and participate and the rest is history. We never stopped from there. We went like, okay, let's go to every convention we can go to and like go everywhere. <laughs> it's been pretty cool since... Well, to be honest, there's a little bit more to it, but um, oh, come on. you don't have to tell them that I had to beat you over the head. We don't need to. Well, <laughs> well, no, technically she, she bought an annual pass to Universal Studios as an excuse <laughs> to come up and see me on a regular basis. So she, she lived in Fort Lauderdale and I live in Orlando, which is about a three hour drive distance. And so she would say, Hey, can I come up and use my annual pass? Did you go with me to Universal? Sure. So we'd go have a good day. She'd go home. A few weeks later, she'd call again. Hey, can I come up? And then finally, one day we were leaving the park and she about spun me around and goes, look, I like Universal, but I'm trying to date you. <laughs> <laughs> and so are we dating or what? Sure. Yeah. sure. That, sounds, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> so that's, and the rest is history. 
Nice. Oh, well, I mean, you guys, you, you make a great team. Oh, thank so you. So in, in, in the, the footage I've watched and the Comic-Con footage I saw, you know, recently from, you know, your San Diego adventures. So we literally drove out and back from San Diego from Florida. So it was over three days of driving and to spend six days in a vehicle with somebody and still be friends afterwards says a lot about us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good test <laughs> it was it was an acid test i'm glad i'm glad my wife and i took road trips beforehand <laughs> <laughs> well um a fun tidbit and again this is this is one of those random tidbits that i found out is um february 8th is bill finger's birthday february 8th is my birthday so Bill Finger and I both have the same birthday. And then, so Athena is dating somebody who has the same birthday as her grandfather. And not only that is I'm also a writer. And I've written a whole bunch of stuff. In fact, uh, I'm, I'm working with Lenny on a, a play idea that I'm working on uh, called My Life as a Swimmer. And uh, so just like Bill Finger, I'm a writer as well. So a lot of connections there. Yeah, wow. a lot of weird coincidences. Yeah, no, that's 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 amazing. Yeah, kismet, I think they would call that, right? Yep. <laughs> <clears throat> One thing I wanted to bring up, since we're on the topic of travel and uh, you know driving around um, at San Diego Comic Con, you know, you guys had a panel where you debuted, you know, scenes from the upcoming upcoming play. Yeah. I wanted to ask about, you know, how the fan reaction was. You know, it was great, actually. It was really great. Um, we were uh, we were at the four o'clock, the last panel on a Sunday, which we got in and like, you know, I submitted it. I, you know, put together and put it, we put it together. And, um, you know, I we was I wasn't sure what to expect. Uh, I had asked my friend Tyler McPhail, who's an amazing, amazing uh, moderator to, to to host it. And I asked him, I said, what do you think? You know, four o'clock on a, a Sunday. He goes, oh, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Right. He's like, just kept telling me, he said, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. And I'm like, oh my God, like what, what, what I'm like, it's my first thought is like, this is great. Like, this is amazing. It's like a dream, you know? Second thought was what if nobody shows up? And, um, you know, it's kind of a thought people, you know, I, I don't, I, I couldn't fathom it, but the room was pretty packed actually. And there was a lot of good responses. Um, people actually bought tickets uh, once we once we did it because they were available at that point after seeing the panel. So it went well. Um, yeah, I I mean I've done panels at other comic conventions, but I thought it went extremely well. Um, yeah, I I mean you know um, my daughter who is uh, who's who's uh, going to be thirteen really enjoyed it. So that was my only concern to that she wouldn't, but she's my biggest critic, you know. So. <laughs> So I, I was happy with it. Yeah. Good. I mean, that's great to hear. And ticket sales too. I feel like that's kind of the, the big barometer, you know? That... Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we've sold, a, a, we sold some in Rhode Island too. Um, I, and like, I'm, so I'm excited. I'm excited to see the people who have, you know, people's reactions, I guess would be the thing, but um, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I, I, I was, I was, we were, I was pleasantly surprised to see that the reaction to it was, um, very, very good. And what was what was really great afterwards too was that I get to talk to the um, I get to talk to the people who run the programming department. I said, you know, I, and I told them, and I kind of debriefed them and everything. And um, depending of things, and one one of my things, I'm going to send them a thing. And like, 
I like to say, you know, if you do something once, you know, you want to make sure you can see if you, you want to be invited back, you know, and see what you can do. So, you know, I've, I've had these crazy notions of one day doing it at San Diego, the convention, like doing an actual play. Cause I don't think anyone's ever done it before. Um, so that was, that was one of the things that kind of poked my nose in about and, um, you know, and kind of, kind of see, you know, after this run of things, um, you know, what happens from there and seeing, you know, Hey, do you guys have any interest? Cause you never know. So I think that, I think that would be the next step. And, um, then to have them get us all hotels would be in airfare would be great too. But <laughs> you know. always the dream. I hear they really jack it up to in San Diego when it when it's convention oh season. God. Oh yeah. So I'm in the Chicagoland area, so I just go to C two E two every now and then. But I have I've not heard gone. Wonderful things about that. Yeah, car. I still haven't been there. It's it's a fun one. I you know I really like it. It's you know it's pretty big. But I mean, again, I don't have San Diego comic-con as a point of reference so (laughs) it's 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 big to me but you know from what i hear about san diego's like you know maybe it's (laughs) small i don't know (laughs) yeah i don't know i mean i like the smaller ones you know it's easier to maneuver you get to talk to more people you're not right spending so much time waiting around or trying to get around and get around people and waiting in line and just things like that. Um, funny story is San Diego Comic-Con was the second convention I had ever been to in my life. <laughs> and it was my it second was too. Batman anniversary year in 2014. And that was super intimidating and tons of fun. But I didn't go to conventions growing up. I didn't even read comics growing up. <laughs> but, you know, I wasn't part of the culture. Uh, so it was definitely um, an eye opener as far as like how awesome the culture is and how the fans really are the ones that are driving the comic industry. And if we don't respect them <clears throat> or even acknowledge them that we won't have it anymore, it, it will go away because they yep. won't have that drive behind them to make the comics and the everything. So it was really nice to be able to make that connection, even at an event as large as San Diego. I mean, as Lenny said, that's the first time we met was there in mm-hmm. 2014. Um, and we kind of just went from there. <laughs> I didn't realize that was your first year, actually. Wow. Ah, yeah, that was my the second convention I've <laughs> ever been to in my life. <laughs> really? See, I've been going to San Diego since 2008 when you can actually... When, when I first went to San Diego, um, I walked in and walked right. In, well, actually, Stan Lee walked right into me. I, I, I turned around and all of a sudden I see a group of people standing next to me. And all of a sudden this little old man comes right next to me and he says, hello, true believer, and whacks me right in the face. Doesn't even notice that. <laughs> Just hits me right in the eye. And I'm writhing in like pain. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's Stan Lee. Just whacked me, right? Just couldn't believe it. It's true story. And um, so, so, I'm, so then I'm, I'm standing there. And then, then one of his – he leaves. His entourage leaves. And then, like, a guard comes over. And he says, Stan whacked you in the face, huh? And I go, yeah, he did. He goes, he does that. <laughs> true story. And that was my first time in San Diego Comic-Con, my very first day. And I walked over. And I look over and it's William Cat with the greatest American hero. The funny thing about and it was one of the coolest thing in the world. What was and I'll never wash his face again. Um the um the cheek. Anyway, so but um the um the the thing was about when I first went to San Diego 
was that you could actually, that very first year, there was a little old lady with a little table about maybe about this big, maybe about from side to side, not even bigger than, you know, not even bigger than, than you know, the, the, the desk, I'm, you know, right here. And um, she was sitting there and she was selling tickets for the following year and nobody was buying them. Nobody was buying them. It was amazing. You could literally just walk up and get tickets for next year. And um, you could just, you could, like when I, when I went the first year, I bought my tickets a week before and I decided to book a plane in 2008 to go. And wow. then, then, yep. And then Twilight happened and destroyed the entire convention. <laughs> I, I walked in the Hall H. I walked into like the Watchmen panel. Frank Miller, you just walk right up to. It was like some, it was something else. Like, I mean, it was, you know, um, I remember, and I remember that convention. I met Neil Adams for the first time and he was the most nicest guy, in the, the nicest guy in the world. So you can actually sit and talk with them. There was no, but then all of a sudden Twilight happened, I think in 2009. And, um, you know, that was the last time you could really just walk into Hall H. I, I walked into the Avatar panel when that was going on. But then in 2010, it really just exploded. And um, what ended up happening was that, like Athena said, I, I kind of prefer the smaller convention sometimes too. Um, because even New York Comic Con, you know, what ends up happening, you walk, walk two feet, three feet, stormtroopers come by, walk again, someone's taking a picture, walk again. So big, big thing coming by with, with a special guest something else you keep walking so trying to get across the convention hall can be very difficult um and you don't really have those meaningful conversations you still do but not as meaningful you know rather than you know sitting down and actually sitting down um, we had a small convention here and roy thomas showed up and um in rhode island last year and it wasn't very big at all maybe about 200 people went and roy thomas took time to talk to every single person and it was awesome it was amazing. Oh, he's such a nice guy. He oh, he's really such a nice is. guy. Yeah, he is. Such a sweetheart. He really is. Um, it was funny because I was actually I was actually supposed to write something for him, but then for, for a Steve Ditko book he was working on, and then Marvel uh, sued the Steve Ditko family. <laughs> so that was, and Roy was so apologetic, and I'm like, Roy, you, I'm like, I would pay you, you know, to do this. You know, it's like, you know, I you tell me when, but he is. He is he's probably one of the nicest guys in comics and totally a legend, in my opinion. Just a real, I mean, every, like through and through. Yes, I agree. Yeah, well, he's a good dude. <laughs> wow. Um, has Warner Brothers acknowledged the play or said anything about the play? Or um, the thing is, the thing is, the way I write plays, I was very lucky to learn. Um, like legal things very early on in my career, um, like doing biographical plays. Uh, when I was doing the, 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 the thing I was kind of concerned about was um, I was always concerned about, you know, them saying, Hey, you know what? You can't use this. You can't use this. Luckily I have an entertainment lawyer who says, this is what you can use, which has been great. Um, and um, I also, when I write, I've gotten very used to um, used to when I was working, well, I was doing the Lucille ball play. There was a guy working with the Lucilla Ball estate and he called me up and he said, I'm going to teach you something about the business. Basically, does your lead actress resemble Lucille Ball? I'm like, yeah, she does. He's like, think about what you're saying. I'm going to ask you again. Does your lead actress look like <laughs> Lucille Ball? And I sat there for a second. I go, sir, she looks nothing. She looks nothing like her. Nothing at all. I go, that is the correct answer. And that is, that is how you write biographical material and get a, and kind of like, you know, um, obviously I can't put Batman in the show. I can't have him like running around the stage. I can't have him like fighting, you know, Joker on stage, which I probably wouldn't do anyway. Um, but I can't put, I, 
I originally, I didn't put many nods to Batman with costumes and stuff, but this time I'm just using it with colors and, st- and everything. So um, one of my, I can kind of give a, spo- a small sp- a spoiler. One of my actors dressed up perfectly like the Penguin and um, did, did, did the character perfectly, sounded just like him. And uh, but he did it enough so it wasn't the Penguin, but it was so brilliant the way he did it that I can put little things in there and dress people up the way, he, the way this actor, Jeff White, taught me how to do it. And um, so the answer is they haven't contacted me and they won't because there's nothing to be contacted about, really. Um, yeah, I'm not making a cent on the show. Uh, I don't plan on it. If any, everyone wants to do the show afterwards, they can have it. Like, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I think the, the best thing they can probably, I could probably say I won't charge rights on it. I just want to see it done, done the right way. And so, and actually for Bill to have his name, if you can teach one person in the audience uh, who Bill Finger is, that's an entire world of, that knows Bill Finger at that point. So, so if anyone's listening to this and wants to do this play at any time, let me know. It's yours. Just spell my name right. Spell Athena's name right. Well, and I, I appreciate that because I feel like it's, you know, it kind of goes back to, you know, everything we've kind of talked about so far on this podcast, you know, you know, from everybody, you know, Rick too, with, you know, with, with the cosplay and everything and, you know, and your engagement with the community, it's really kind of, you know, what you're saying is, you know, embodies like the community helping it in the community, you know, and inspiring people and, and, and serving as, you know, inspiration for everybody to go out and, and do their thing, whatever that is, you know, if it is, you know, you know, Lenny, you and Rick, you know, you're both writers, you know, I like to write too, you know, so if it's that, you know, Athena with the artwork, whatever it is to like do the thing and, and share and help lift each other up, you know, I. Yeah, it, it, I, and I agree. And and um, especially because we just, when I mean, we're still in a pandemic, I mean, like we're coming out of it, which is, which is great. But I also think you need these stories that, you know, I think this is, you know, I, I was sad when we couldn't do it in 2020, but, you know, maybe it's, you know, I always like to say things happen for a reason. Like you said, ser- you know, serendipity, um, you know, I, I think we need these stories. Um, and I think we need stories like Bill Finger too, um, to show that, you know, because I mean, if you really think about, you know, his life, it's so incredible, like what he accomplished, what he did. And yeah. if you think about it, he created, I mean, he really created something that is going to outlive me. It's going to outlive you. It's probably going to outlive all of us. And, um, and you know, how important it is to get his name on that, you know, how important it was to, in 2015 to, to, um, to have that happen. Um, you know, and have that, 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 that moment where you just see his name with, with Bill Finger, you know, and that was the original ending of the show. When I first did it, that didn't happen. But what's amazing now is that that's there. And that that's a legacy. That's huge. Um, but it's also it's also an incredible thing that says that you know we in like Athena was talking about fandom is you know you know people talk about fandom. All this happens because of the fans. Um, you know there was an outcry of support for Bill Finger. There was an outcry. You know um, there is an outcry for um, mental health. There is an outcry. You know. Um, you know, there is the, the artist communities that are coming together and that's, that's a huge thing. Um, and at all, if you think about it, but it all stems back from people like, like Bill who really put the, who put that construction together and, you know, put those things, you know, put those, those things in place for people. And that's huge. And that's, that's, those are the reasons why he cannot be forgotten. And we have to tell that story. 
um, of what happened. And, you know, that it's not that, you know, I'm not, comp- not by any means comparing this to any, like, you know, to anything else, but it's like anything else. If you stopped telling the story of what happened to Bill Finger and how it happened and how it led to his credit, we forget it. And these things happen again. And that is the truth. Um, and we can't forget it. We can't forget the stories. We can't forget that for years that, you know, and if you don't mind me saying so, Athena, you know, growing up, she, you know, if, if she, she almost didn't want to, I'm sure at a certain point, she didn't want to even talk about Batman because, you know, the, that we have to talk about those things. We have to say, hey, you know what? This injustice happened to Bill and it was solved, you know, and this is how it's solved. And it's an incredible story to to really hear those things and see those things that happen, the steps that happen to, to get to where we are today. Yeah, that was very well put. <laughs> I don't think I could Sorry. I have add anything to it that would make it better or anything. That was perfectly put. <laughs> uh, before, you know, we're, we're getting close to time. So I'm going to jump to um, just a couple general questions. And we'll start with, sure. I have two for the group, um, favorite Batman stories and favorite Batman incarnations. I Go ahead, guys. I'll start. <laughs> uh, let's see. My favorite Batman story would still have to be Kingdom Come, even though it's a Justice League story. Um, my favorite. See, it's tough. I-, I had this conversation at one of the panels out in San Diego. And you know, there's been so many people who have portrayed the character, either live action or with animation. And it's really hard to say who I think is my favorite now. For a long time, I would, without even missing a beat, I would say Michael Keaton. He's still in my top. Like, it's, it's mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot up there now. <laughs> uh, I, and again, I think that... You know, he was the first and he really did bring the the realistic part of the character to the fans that wanted to see the character no longer drawn, right? We'd seen the animated shows. We had all the comics up to that point. So I, he definitely has a significant role. <laughs> I'm being long-winded. I'm super sorry. <laughs> oh no, you're no, you're fine. But I mean, there's something special that each person has brought to the character. So we have Michael Keaton as as Ty. Let's say what he's tied. Um, and right now, I really like what Robert Patterson did with the character yeah. as the younger Batman, mm-hmm. um, being more of a detective, not being just a brute, even though he was a brute also, but he also used his intellect to kind of figure out what was going on. Um, being a detective. My other top one is Ben Affleck, which I don't think mm-hmm. he gets enough credit because the movies, unfortunately, weren't very good. So mm-hmm. they like to blame the actors when really he did a great job. It's just he was a he was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't really blame him for that. Yeah, and I I agree. I'm I Ben Affleck. You know, in most things I've seen him, and he's he's great. So I don't hold that against him. I'm just you know. I yeah, wish. He's, he's 
know, he's a brilliant actor and he really <laughs> brought both sides of the character, which is not always easy. I mean, I know there's diehard Christian Bale Batman fans and they're, that's their Batman, but you know, he was a brute. He used his force throughout all of the movie, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and that, he didn't really bring that the Bruce Wayne side. I mean, he made him really arrogant. And yeah, I mean, he was a spoiled rich kid, but I don't recall any stories where he was like an arrogant little SOB. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. I don't know. I think it's Christian Bale's attitude came out too much when he was doing the other side of the character. I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> yeah. I I kind of felt the same way about Christian Bale. I felt like he walked up the set of American Psycho into the bat suit. <laughs> right? I went to go return some videotapes and I came back as Batman. You know? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I really like the Christopher Nolan series. They're amazing movies, and they brought a different dynamic to the character. It's just, I think that, unfortunately, Mr. Bale missed the mark on it. (laughs) Rick, do you have a favorite? Um, I do like the Nolan um, Batman. Uh, I do like the Patterson. So those are my toss-ups. You know, I like both of those have a different gritty feel to him uh as far as storyline i'd have to say the uh story of the Aerith the dark knight storyline um <laughs> which is actually it's actually a comic it's actually a comic i wrote um so uh yeah you'll have to wait to see how that how that plays out but it, that's my favorite batman story the Aerith of the dark knight story okay well i will look forward to that <laughs> Lenny, did you have a favorite you wanted? All right, so I'm very much like a, like Athena, but I I have a I have one really uh, two really incarnations of Batman in the comics that I love. I love Batman Year One. I think Frank Miller and David Masticelli have a masterpiece there of comic art. It is unbelievable. Masticelli is is an amazing. If you just look what he that they created in those four issues, it's unbelievable. It's, un, it's unprecedented, really, in comics, in my opinion. Um, it really is this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, work. And plus, David Masticelli is from is, did uh, teach at RISD, so um, which is down the street. So I love Masticelli in general. Uh, also, in the comics, I have to say, the Steve Englehart, which doesn't get much love, uh, as much love as it should, in Marshall Rogers series from the seventies. I love that the Joker with the cue, the fish. Just, you know, I just love the Batman. Stuff. Just unbelievable. If, if you haven't read it, go read it. It's unbelievable. But uh, the thing I like about the, every Batman, though, is that there's a Batman for everybody. And I love that. You know, it could be the animated one, the, uh, you know, Frank Miller one. It could be, you know, the gritty, the Adam West one. You know, you can, you can enjoy it. And it always works. So that's what's really cool about it. As far as my uh, screen, my screen Batmans, I actually really agree with Athena. Uh, I really, Michael Keaton had the impossible task of really creating this character from whole cloth, basically. And he did it. It's unbelievable. He was my favorite Batman. Um, you know, I agree with about Christian Bale. Um, obviously I think, you know, I think he is talented, but I do think the arrogance comes through so strong that it, it's, 
you don't root for him so much. You know, you, I, it's funny because you watch the dark Knight and you're rooting for Heath Ledger at a certain point. The pencil trick. I'm like, he can dance. All right, we'll let him go with that. You know, you kind of make excuses, but I agree. It's like, you know, and I, I, I really thought that at a certain point, I don't, I mean, Maybe it was a documentary for him. I don't know, but it didn't hit the mark for Christian Bale. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, uh, I will say, though, the Robert Pattinson one, um, and I, I will say for this, I thought it was tremendous. And, and people were complaining that he's in the bat suit pretty much the entire time. And, I, and that he didn't have much of a Bruce Wayne character. And I disagree with that. I, I, he actually broke my heart in that film. He, um, if you watch the scenes he's in, there's a scene where he's, I think it's the church or whatever. He saves the little boy. That whole sequence he does without words. And it's so it, it broke my heart. You just watch him and what he's gone through. They didn't feel the need to explain. We all know how Batman became, um, you know, how, how, how Bruce Wayne became Batman. That just said, that just put in our heads of what, you know, what he went through without explaining it. I thought that was so great. Uh, and I really am, I'm really excited that, you know, they didn't, they didn't with the with the Warner Brothers dropping all the films and everything they're, do, they're doing and everything like that. I'm really glad to keep it the Matt Reeves version because I really feel there's some more stuff to be mined from that, uh, I and I think it only will, it only will get better. I think you know the, the, that movie took forever to come out. It did, but when it came out, they really put their paces to put him through his paces. And it's I, I've watched it three times, and every time I see something new, and I, I love that version so much. Um, I feel it only can, can get better. And I will say the Joaquin Phoenix Joker is phenomenal too. Um, I really feel strongly he had an impossible task as well. Uh, and he did it. And it's 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 a real impossible task to follow when he fled his shoes like that. And he did in a win in a different way, and he did his own thing. So I'm excited about the Joker too as well. Um, I think I think people are complaining it's gonna be a musical, but you know what? See the that movie could be first. interesting. You know, we don't yeah, know yeah. until we know. I feel like yeah, a lot movie. of times, you know, people like, you know, talking about Michael Keaton, like, you know, yeah. I remember reading about all the articles that came out like, oh, not this guy, this comedic actor. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it's like the defining Batman for a lot of people. Well, myself, you know, included, because I was I was born in 87. So uh, when well, the same Bennett... thing about Robert Patterson. I mean, he was known as the glittery vampire yeah, in most of his right. career, and I've never seen any of the Twilight movies. Okay, and so yeah, people would like... ask me, "What do you think of the glittery vampire being Batman?" And I'm like, "I don't know what you're talking about because I don't yeah. know him from that. I know yeah. him from his smaller independent films. Oh, where yeah, he's a pretty serious actor, and it's right." You know, He's not one to, you know, kind of like put on the bottom of the list here. Yeah. So, you know, I'm curious to see what he's going to do with the character. Because he hated being the vampire. That wasn't who he was. So, I mean. Yeah. (laughs) I feel feel that. I feel feel like if you watch Cosmopolis, we watch Good Time. The movie Good Time. Oh, my God. He's so good in that movie. And I I agree with Athena, though. I really am glad to give Affleck a little more of a chance. Um, because I do think, and I'm, I'm not saying take away Patterson at all, but I really feel Ben Affleck did get the short end of the stick because he did. I, I mean, myself, I was like, Ben Affleck, he's going to do this. I'm like, I, I, but you watch him and he had it down and it was completely different from everybody else, completely different. And it was, it was really intriguing. Like, you know, say what you will about Batman versus Superman, that first hour as Bruce Wayne, 
oh my God, it's, he's unbelievable. So yeah, I, I mean, I agree hundred percent with that, but yeah, Patterson, I think is, I want to, I can't wait to the next film and I can't wait to the next Joker film. They're both wonderful. And on that, um, where can we find you guys or where can our listeners find you guys? Rick, do you want well, to take it I'm away? On Facebook, oh. and yeah, I'll let, yeah. Instagram, and Twitter. Um, you can just put my name in, Athena Finger, and I should come up. Um, and, you know, that's where I'm at. You can see my artwork there. Um, if you want to hit me up and say hi, <laughs> <laughs> I'll most likely say hi back. Um, <laughs> that's all I ask. <laughs> right. No, I love the fans. I really do. And I like to, you know, acknowledge the fans, like I say, because it's so important that we respect them and, and honor them. Because, again, we wouldn't be talking about this if we didn't have the fans. All right. Um, so for people who are looking for me, they can find me under the True Aquaman on Instagram. True Aquaman is the fan page on Facebook or find me under my personal page under Rick Stafford. And then under Twitter, it's the King Aquaman. Uh, I'm on Facebook under Leonard Xavier Robert Schwartz. Not my real name, but that's what I'm under. Uh, you can find, if you want to Google what that means, go ahead. The long story behind that, which I won't get into. Um, you can find me on Instagram under Lenny Schwartz or L, I think it's L-N-N-Y Schwartz. And I'm on Twitter, but I never go on. Um, yes. Or just come by my house. I'll cook you some dinner. Whatever you want. <laughs> this sounds like a good time. plan. <laughs> yeah, come on by. I did have somebody come by once. A long story, but we'll get into that tonight. <laughs> All right. Um, well, Bill Finger, Rise of the Bat, again, opens at the Rise Playhouse September 22nd and at the Chain Theater in New York on October 3rd. Details, as I mentioned earlier, are listed below, and I'll have all your handles from everybody listed as well. Um, from the Batman universe and everybody listening, thank you all for joining us, and you know it's been a real pleasure. So just want to say very happy to have you here and looking forward to the play and hope it goes well and you know gets packed room to room thank you <laughs> seat to seat <laughs> well thank you for having me. it was a pleasure great pleasure thank you so much thanks so much scott all right so that was an awesome interview uh great job scott and uh thank you to lenny swartz athena finger and rick stafford for joining us for the Batman Universe podcast. Um, as, as mentioned by Scott, there are details for the upcoming play in the description. You guys can take a look at that. In addition to that, uh, there's all kinds of other things to look forward to when it comes to the Batman Universe podcast. We have some more interviews planned. We have some more topics that we're going to be discussing here in the immediate future. So be sure to join us by subscribing to the podcast if you are already not subscribed uh also be sure to check out our website thebatmanuniverse.net for all kinds of content news original originals and uh other podcasts uh that relate back to batman including things related to movies tv merchandise video games comics and everything else related to the bat fandom uh you can follow us on social media we are on twitter facebook instagram discord we are on YouTube. You can check out all of our social links over on the websites at the top of the page. If you are so inclined, please consider supporting us. Uh, to make it simple, just head over to the net. scroll towards the bottom, there's a big banner that says uh, support TBU, and you'll find out all kinds of different ways 
on how to support TBU. With all that being said, again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Batman Universe podcast. Uh, For Scott and myself, we will see you guys next time. 